This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. I am excited to see you today. Welcome to the third and final week in our series, I Heart My Church. Whether it's your first time here or your hundredth time here, I am so glad that you joined us today. Our goal when you come in is that we would take down any and every barrier that would stop you from encountering God. And we do that through a number of different ways, through name tags, so we all kind of know each other. We do it with these programs here, because inside we have a card that says Start Here, and it kind of puts us all on equal playing ground. So we ask everybody each week, go ahead and fill out that card and put your name on it and your email address on it. I'm going to give you some things to do with that as the day goes on together. I'd love to be praying for you this week. Uh, If you want to get connected somehow, we'd love to do that. And if you're new with us today, please know that we aren't going to abuse that information. We simply want to help you connect. Connect with other people in this church. Connect with what we're doing in the city and in our community. Ultimately, when the time comes, we want to help you connect with God. We want to be the church that when you say, you know what, I'm ready to take a next step in my spiritual journey, we want to be the community that helps you do that. So help us help you by filling out this Connect card. The other way that we get on equal playing ground is that we have these teaching notes inside our program, and that will give you the the Bible verses that I'm using today. It gives you some fill-in-the-blanks, gives you some things to think about as we go on uh, throughout our week together this week. Because my hope would be that that church is not simply a one-time thing that we do for an hour and five minutes on Sunday, but that this is really a lifestyle that we begin and continue to encounter God throughout our week and throughout our lives. So you can take that home, you can look at it, be praying, be thinking about what we talked about, and allowing God to use that throughout the week. Well, if you've missed the last few weeks, it's been a really, really fun series. Basically, what we're talking about in this series is I was just thinking about the reasons why, as I moved into the lead pastor role uh, three weeks ago, why I, I love our church, why I want to invest my life in our community, why I want to raise my kids alongside of you, why I want to be part of what God's doing here and what God's using us to do in Sonoma County. And from that birthed this series, I Heart My Church. And it's three weeks long. And the first week was I Heart My Church because uh, we are one of the few places in the world where you can come just as you are, um, as, as broken as you are, as hurt as you are, with whatever you have going on in life, you can come here and be accepted. We believe that God loves you, and because God loves you, we love you. And I love that about our church. Uh, then last week I said, I heart my church because at our church, we learn how to live differently. Because we believe that God loves us so much that he wants us to beat the average in life. And, and we really, we explored this question, do you really want to be like everybody else anyway? And the answer was no. We want to, we want to beat the average. We want to live the life that God created us to live. And uh, to kick off today, I have a question to ask you that I'd like you just to think about for a second, and then we're going to finish it together. Because I think most of us will have the same answer. So think about this question for a second. What is the biggest question— that you have ever asked someone, or that you have ever been asked by someone? The biggest question that you have either asked someone or been asked by someone. Now, with some exceptions, I would guess that the biggest question you've ever asked or been asked is this. Now, I want you to finish this sentence with me. Will you... Wow. So that's why half of marriages end in divorce. (laughs) Okay. Well... I'm going to log that away for another sermon series. Yeah. Will you marry me? Will you marry me? That, that is a life-changing question. 
Now, it's interesting. We don't say, um, will you go on a date with me? That wasn't really the biggest question we asked. In fact, many of us have probably asked that question a number of times to a number of different people. But we did not love the person we were asking to go on a first date. Therefore, the first date, while we might have been nervous to ask that question, uh, it was not the biggest, probably one of the most life-changing questions that we have ever asked. I remember when I asked my wife on a first date, I've told you the story. She was living in Wisconsin. I was out here. I was taking a course in the Midwest in Wisconsin, and I, I, um, I instant messaged her. That tells you when we were dating. I instant messaged her, uh, would you like to go to a movie with me tonight? And we went to Wendy's, and then we went to the cheap theater to see Kingdom of Heaven. That was our first date, big time, home run, home run. That was not that scary. It was not that scary. I, I had it on good authority. She would say yes. I passed some notes. She marked yes. I had a good feeling. When it came time to propose, though, I, I was terrified. But I had a plan. See, she was living in Wisconsin at the time. Very cold. It was December. So I invited her out to California, specifically to Southern California, for Christmas with my family. Because I thought even if she's on the fence about me, once she sees California in the winter, she'll be hooked. So I had the ring in my pocket, and we had to go to the dentist before because I had to take care of some stuff. And, uh, and the whole time, I'm just holding my pocket, and she's out in the waiting room. And then I knew what time the sun was going to set at the beach. So we drove to Newport Beach, and, and the sun was going to set. Catalina was in the distance, and we walked out onto these rocks, onto this jetty out into the water. And uh, I was just about to pull the ring out. I mean, it was perfect. And as I'm about to pull the ring out, I got that horrible, sick feeling like, what if I drop the ring in the water? Because I'm already a little bit nervous. And so, so I quickly said, hey, let's go back to the sand. That's, just, that's, a, that's a good idea. So we walked back to the sand, and, and it, literally it could not have been orchestrated more perfectly. The sun is setting. Catalina Island in the distance. I, I look at her. My heart's pounding. And I proposed to her, and she said yes, and I'm not making this up. Right after she said yes, and we stopped um, kissing, um, <laughs> dolphins started swimming in the water. I'm not, I'm, I can't make this up. And there was a double rainbow. No. I, but <laughs> that last part was not true, full disclosure. But my, my love for Maria required me to ask her a life-changing question. And I want to say this, and this is the first point in our notes today. I believe that the greater the love, the greater the love, the bigger the ask. And I'm going to say that word a lot today, ask. So uh, I speak quickly, and sometimes I drop letters. So I just want to say it together. Ask. Go ahead, you say it. Ask. Okay, that's what we're saying today. Ask. You'll know why later. The greater the love, the bigger the ask. And I don't believe that that is unique to Sonoma County in the 21st century. I believe that actually this concept of the, the greater the love, the bigger the ask, is a theme that runs throughout the entirety of the Bible. And if you're new to church, and if you're especially new to Christianity, I, I want to zoom way out for about five minutes and give you the backstory. And if you have been around the church for a long time, I want us to remember this because this is the central point of Christianity. So here's the backstory. If you're brand new with us today or brand new to church, uh, we believe as Jesus followers that, that internally there is something in us called sin. 
that God created us in his image. He created us uh, to have a relationship with him, but that uh, this thing called sin entered into the world through the first people, and then through that has been in us and part of us ever since. And and if you don't know what sin is, uh, sin is basically, it's those things that we think, that we say, or that we do that are that are hurting us, and that are hurting the people closest to us that we love. And I don't need to tell you what that is, because if you were around church growing up, you probably had someone pointing at you telling you what that is. I don't need to do that. You already know. You know what's hurting you. You know what's hurting the people closest to you. That is, that's sin, and it is destroying relationships, and it is it's hurting you, and you don't want to do it, but you find yourself doing it anyway. It could be an addictive pattern. It could be something that you swear, I will, I will never do that again. And yet you do it again. And, and we believe that that is because there is a, a nature in us, a sin nature in us, that, that, that kind of compels us to sin. And, and just so you know, the story's going to get worse before it gets better. Because that sin is not just hurting us. It's not just, it's not just hurting our relationships with other people that we love and care about. But we believe that God is perfect. That God's perfect, and because we sin, we are imperfect, and that imperfection has separated us from God. And we, we believe that even though God created us to know us and love us, sin has separated us from our Creator. And so we are walking through life apart from God because of sin, and then what happens is we walk into eternity separated from God forever. And that's the, that's the narrative of the Bible, that God created us, He loves us, we have sinned, sin has separated us from our Creator, and without something happening on God's side, not something we can do because we tried to not sin, something happening on God's side, without that, that we are actually separated from God in this life, and then we choose to walk right into eternity, separated from God. But, but here's, where the story, here's where the story gets good, because God loves you. Man, God, God loves you so much. And God's love compelled him to do something unthinkable. God's love compelled him to do something that you can't make up. Uh, that, that, that no other religion has ever, ever even claimed. The Bible says that God loves us so much that he asked Jesus in heaven, because of his love, to do something pretty incredible. And, and Jesus talks about it in John chapter 3, and that's where we're going to pick up this morning. It says, for God so loved the world, and you can put your name there, God so loved us, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not ever perish, but have eternal life. So should walk with God from this life into eternity. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Did you catch that? Jesus says that God... Who, who created us, who knows us, who loves us, saw us separated from him because of sin. And he said to Jesus in heaven, he said, would you go to the world? Would you leave your throne? Would you leave heaven? And, and Jesus was with God eternally from before the world began. Would you leave heaven? Would you leave your throne where you rule and where you reign? And would you become fully man and fully God in Jesus Christ? And as you go down to this world, these people that you've created because you love them, would you live a perfect life, showing them what it looks like to to love me completely? And would you teach them what that means? And and, and in that process, God said, you're going to be mistreated, misunderstood, taken advantage of. Would you go and would you give your life 
to pay the penalty for their sin. God loved us so much that he asked Jesus to leave heaven and come to earth and then to give his life on a cross. And we just celebrated that in communion to pay the penalty for our sin as the perfect sacrifice so that we could be restored back to our heavenly father so that we could be forgiven of our sin and not just forgiven of our sin. When Jesus died on the cross and rose again, he actually broke the power of sin so we don't have to be slaves to those things we don't want to do anymore because we had walked apart from him and we couldn't get back to him. And, and so God did the unthinkable. He, he asked his only son, Jesus, to leave heaven and come to earth to break the power of sin. And Jesus goes on to say this in verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned Twice this week, I've, I've prayed with dear friends in their church who have lost loved ones, who, who their family members have died. And in both situations, their family members know and love Jesus. And so while we grieve that loss, we also know that they walked with Jesus in this earth because they accepted Jesus' sacrifice on their behalf, and they walk with him into eternity. And it's both grieving and celebration because Jesus says, whoever believes in, in him, in Jesus, is not condemned He goes on to say, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they've not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. And that's the story of of Christianity. God created us. He loves us. He knows us. We've been separated from him because of sin. And because of God's great love for us, he asked Jesus to do something unthinkable, to leave heaven and come to earth and to give his life as a sacrifice for us so that whoever believes in him Whoever transfers their trust from themselves and their own ability to do it on their terms transfers it over to Jesus. Whoever believes in him would never perish but have eternal life, have their sins forgiven, be filled with God's spirit, not only to show us how to live the right way, but to give us the power to do it and could walk with him in this life and into eternity. It is the, it is the greatest story in the history of the world, and it is it's life-changing. Here's the, here's the thing, and we see this in verse 18. God loves us too much to force that upon us. And so what God did was God, he broke down every barrier so that we could come to him. He broke down every barrier. We can't earn our way to God. We can't do good works. We can't do enough. It's not like there's a scale and our good and our bad have to weigh out. That's not the way that Christianity uh, sees life. It's that, that God did all the work and we simply respond to his love and come to know him. And anybody can do it. Here's the great news. Christianity, and, and Christianity has kind of gotten a bad rap, but Christianity is the most open, accepting religion in the history of the world. Anyone can come to Jesus. Anyone can. That's one of the things I love about our church is we believe that anyone can come. That's why well, I've, known, I've, known, I've known bikers and bankers who have come to know and love Jesus. I've known, I've known soccer moms and porn stars who have come to know and love Jesus. I've known, literally, I'm not making this up. I've known Wiccans and Druids who have come to know and love Jesus. And then I've, 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 I've known kids like me, screwed up, boy band, loving, bleached hair, tongue ring kid who, who came to know and love Jesus. It's for everybody. It's the most open religion. Anyone can come. Anyone can come and put their trust in, in Jesus. And we can do it because God loves us so much that he made the biggest ask 
in the history of the world when he asked his only son, Jesus, to leave heaven and to come to earth. But God didn't stop there. After Jesus died on the cross and rose again, God asked us to do something pretty incredible. And I want to look at that in Matthew chapter 28. At this point, Jesus has died on the cross. He's rose again. And then he goes to his disciples. And if you're a Jesus follower, this is you. He's talking to us here. He's talking to you. And this is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 28. It said, Then Jesus came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. He is the one true God. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you to do. And surely, and this is the promise, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And did you notice what Jesus does here? It's, it's kind of subtle, but I don't want us to miss it. Jesus makes a big ask to us. He says, go. And literally that, that word go is as you are going. He says, as you are going, as you're going to work, as you're going to the grocery store, as you're going through life trying to figure out your purpose and trying to figure out how to raise a family and trying to figure out how to get an education, as you're going through life experiencing freedom from hurts and hang-ups and, and pain, and as, you, as you're going, he says, as you're going about life, not, not being perfect, just, just following God in your life. As you're going, he says, make disciples. Love people so much that you invite them on the journey with you to know me. Invite people to, to, to experience my love and my forgiveness and my grace because, because Christianity is for everybody. He says, as you're going through life, make disciples, invite them to come, and then show them what it looks like to have a personal, real relationship with their Heavenly Father. And one of the, the things I love about our church is we don't take ourselves too seriously. I, I really like that about us. I, I don't take myself too seriously. I, I I say dumb things and I make mistakes all the time and you laugh and I laugh right along with you because I don't take myself too seriously. In fact, uh, how many of you were here two Sunday nights ago? Was anybody here two Sunday nights ago? A uh, couple of you guys. Yeah, two Sunday nights ago, I was, I was emceeing, or three Sunday nights ago, I was emceeing and, uh, and I started to pray before our offering. And I had just been talking about Pastor Ron and how great he is and, and I started to pray and I meant to say, dear God, and then pray. But what I said was, dear Ron. So... <laughs> So everyone's eyes are closed. You can imagine, very deep moment. And I say, dear Ron, and, and uh, one of my good friends was sitting here, and she, she just started to laugh. And when she started to laugh, the whole place just exploded in laughter. Now, mind you, everyone's got their eyes closed because we're all trying to pray, but everyone's laughing, and I'm laughing. It was hilarious. It was hilarious. My staff team, uh, they thought that was great. So then on Tuesday, we had our staff meeting, and I said, all right, let's pray before our staff meeting. And they said, well, who should we pray to, Kevin? You know? And then the next day, I was having lunch with a few of our staff, and, and I opened up my lunch, and I got my sandwich out, and one of the guys on staff said, hey, do you want to take half your sandwich and put it out in front of Ron's door, kind of as an offering to him? Because I know you like to pray to Ron. <laughs> we don't take ourselves too seriously. I love that about our church. But you know what we do take seriously? We take, we take the life-changing news of Jesus Christ seriously. We take his invitation to invite our friends and our family and our coworkers to, to come and to know him. We take that seriously. And that is one of the things I heart about my church. I heart my church because we love people. We love people enough to make the big ask and invite them to encounter God. I, I, love, I love looking out here and seeing you guys. 
and knowing that you love people enough that as you're going on this journey, figuring out life with God, you're simply inviting people to come in to know Jesus. I love it. I, I look out here and I, I, see, I see people like my buddy Ryan. Ryan's a small business owner, and uh, he's part of a business networking group, and, and Ryan loves Jesus. He's not perfect. He's just going on this journey. Uh, and I was in our, our men's group a couple weeks ago, and this new guy came in. I said, hey, how'd you hear about church? It's, it's your first time. He said, yeah, it's my first time. I'm in a business networking group with Ryan, and as Ryan got to know me and got to know my story, he invited me to come to church, and, and that man's been coming to church the last couple of weeks. Why? Because Ryan loves him, and Ryan is a big-ass Christian. That's what he is. That's what he is. Ask. I see my friends Ben and Jen who are here, and they started coming to church a few weeks, uh, a few years ago, and and just about two weeks after they started coming to church, they invited Ben's mom to come to church, and and then they invited their best friend's couple to come to church a couple weeks after that, and uh, just recently, I met some of their neighbors who they just, they're sharing life together. And they said, hey, we're, we're experiencing God. Ben and Jen aren't, aren't perfect. Who is? But, but we're experiencing God at, at this place called New Life. Would you come in? Would you check it out? I, I love that. I love looking and seeing them. Ben, ben and Jen are big-ass Christians. I think about uh, Emma and Lizzie. They're sisters in, in eighth and ninth grade. And they love things like uh, band and um, gymnastics. And they love their friends at school. So you know what Emma and Liz have been doing? They, they've been inviting their friends to come to church with them. And so their parents have been coming to multiple services, one service where they come and then one service where they get the minivan and they go around the city and pick up Emma and Lizzie's friends and bring them to church. Emma and Lizzie are eighth and ninth graders and they are big-ass Christians. Why? Because they love people. And I love seeing us doing that. They, friends, I've never been part of a church where, where the community, this group of people, loves loves people so much that we just invite them to come to church and meet Jesus. I, I love that about our church. That is one of my favorite things about you. And I believe God is using us right now. We keep saying, God, God will use us to change the spiritual climate of our community. I believe God is using you right now. And it's so fun to watch. He's changing our lives. And as he does it, he's, he's, simply, he's simply asking us as we're going to invite other people to encounter God with us, and you're doing it. And I know what a, a couple of us are in here thinking right now. You're thinking, well, those are, those are great stories, but that's not me. That's not me. I'm not a big ask kind of person. It's scary to do that. You're thinking, I, I could never invite someone to come to church with me, Kevin. I don't know what you're going to say. Neither do I. You know, sometimes. I want to tell you something. It, it is a little scary. Um, Every time I invite someone to come to church, I get nervous, and I'm your pastor. It is scary. At Christmas time, I love my neighborhood. I tell you about my neighbors all the time. They're just such fun people. And my wife, Maria, made Christmas goodies. She made treats. And she said, let's go and give treats out to our neighbors and invite them to come to the Rock and Christmas service. And I, I was nervous about that. I'm your pastor. I was nervous about that. But, but I wanted to do it because I love my neighbors. I love them. They're so fun. And so we went around, and we invited them to come. And, and you, know, you know how many people came? None of them. None of them came. Zero. I had a zero percent success rate. But I didn't invite them because I was guaranteed that they would come and encounter God. I, there are no guarantees. Jesus left heaven and came to earth with no guarantee that, that the world would respond to him. And in fact, many people throughout history have not responded to him. It, 
it wasn't the guarantee that compelled him to invite it, to come to earth and to give his life for us. And it's not the guarantee that compels us to invite our friends to come and encounter God. It is, it is love, love of God and love of people that compels us to invite. So none of my neighbors came. And then two weeks ago, Maria invited one of those neighbors to come back to the transition service. And you know what? He came. He came. And we've been talking back and forth about Jesus since, ever since he came. I, I love that. You might not think that you are a big ask type of Christian, but you are. You are. As God is working in our lives, he is drawing us to himself and helping us love him. And you know what he's doing? He's helping us to love people. And the more we love people, the more we're going to be compelled to invite them on this journey with us. That's just the way that it works. So you are that person. You are that person. By the way, because you already are that person, I just want to give you a reminder of that. When you walk out of here today, you're going to get one of these pens. And, and on this pen, it says, I'm a big ask Christian, New Life Christian Fellowship. In case you wondered, just keep the pen with you as a little reminder. That's you. You are that person because you love God and you love people and you want people to meet God like you're meeting God. You're already doing it. And yeah, it's scary sometimes. Sure it is. But it's worth it when we see people's lives changed. And, and here's the promise I'll give you. I cannot promise that I won't ever say something that's going to embarrass you. Maria, my wife, I can't ever promise that. I can't ever promise you that we'll never do anything that, that won't flop. I can never, I can't promise that. But here's what I will promise you, and, and it's a note because I want you to remember this. As long as I'm your pastor, I promise you that I will do everything short of sinning to throw the doors of new life wide open so that our friends can encounter God. I promise you that. We will do everything short of sinning to throw the doors wide open so that your friends can encounter God. That's my promise to you as long as I'm your lead pastor. We are designed to be a church that unchurched people love to come to. We do everything through that lens. What would your neighbor, what would your friend, what would your coworker who's far from God, what would they think if they came in here? That's why in our children's ministry, all of our children's workers are fingerprinted. Not because we don't trust them. But because when your friend comes in here and goes to church for the first time and goes to drop their kids off behind a, a, a door and they don't know what's going on, we want them to know that their children are going to be safe, period. So we have video cameras and we're monitoring that to make sure that their kids are safe and that they're fingerprinted. I trust our workers completely, but we do that for your friends to knock down a wall so they can come in here and encounter God. That, that's why we do music the way we do it. That's why it's a little louder, because uh, if you came in here and you weren't a Jesus follower and you see 150, 200 people all singing a song, you don't necessarily always want to have your voice be one of the louder voices. So we turn the volume up. Amen. A amen. <laughs> By the way, some of you aren't like that and your friends aren't. That's why a couple weeks ago we installed earplugs at the back door. So it can be quiet for your friends. Because we don't want that to We don't want loud music to hinder people. We don't want to have any hindrances. They're green too. Very cool. Very, this, is, this is in these days. That's why when we teach, it's practical and relevant. So whether your friend has given their life to Jesus or not, they have some sort of takeaway they can do. We do everything we can to throw the doors wide open so that our community can come in here and encounter God. That's why we make church fun, by the way. I was raised going to churches that weren't very fun. They were kind of boring. They were kind of dead. And when I was... In junior high, my parents said, hey, do you want to stay home or go to church? Most often, the answer was, I want to stay home. Stay by the bell is more fun than church. <laughs> so we make church fun. That's why we do flash mobs. That's why um, 
That's why we sing you two songs. That's why we give things away. That's why uh, we want to laugh. We want church to be fun. Anything short of sinning. I don't think fun is sinning. So we have fun in church. Because if it opens the door just a little bit for one of your friends to come and encounter God and to walk with him in this life and to walk with him into eternity, isn't that worth it? I've been dreaming throughout this series and praying with you and hoping that you're catching this dream as well. I've been dreaming that, that we would continue to be a community that loves God with everything we have and that, that loves, loves Petaluma and Rohnert Park and Sebastopol and Katati and Sonoma and Nevada with all of our heart, that we love people enough to say as we're going on this journey, to say to our friends, would you come and join me on this journey? And I've been dreaming about what that's going to look like. People are going to give their lives to Jesus and they're going to be transformed marriages are going to be healed, and, and addictions are going to be broken, and, and families are going to be restored, and, and friendships are going to be fixed, and people are going to begin to see the vision and the passion that God has placed in their life, and compassion is going to continue to be unleashed in our community and around the world. I love the dream of what our church is and what our church is becoming, as we love God and we love people enough to invite them on the journey. And I want to invite you, let's just continue this. Let's just continue this. We're, we're, we're finishing this series today, but next week we start a brand new series called Uncaged. And Uncaged is really going to be about seeking God through prayer and through other ways, seeking God uh, and allowing him to break us out of some of the cages that keep us from, from, from following him, from experiencing the life that he created us to live, from, from making a difference in our world. We're going we're gonna to break free from some of that, and we're going to try some things in that series. It's going to be starting this coming Sunday and leading us straight up to Easter. We're going to try some things as a church that are, that are going to be new for some of us. Like, we're going to try fasting together in that journey. We're going to, starting next Sunday, uh, I'm going to lay this out for us, but we're going to do a 40-day fast. And before you freak out, not from like all food altogether, but we're going to fast from something and for something. I'm going to ask everyone in the church to consider fasting from something. Could be, could be media, could be a meal, could be, could be anything from something and for something. What are you asking God for? Because I believe God moves on behalf of his people when we seek after him. And what you're going to get is a postcard next Sunday, and you're going to write down what you're fasting from and what you're fasting for and put your address on it. And then it, after Easter, I'm going to mail them back out to you because I believe God is going to move in our lives. I believe God's going to do miracles. Why wouldn't you want your friends to, to be part of that? It's going to be, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be so fun. I've already written the first couple of sermons for this series. It's going to be fantastic. So I just want to invite you, join me on this journey. Continue this journey with me. And if you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, would you start that journey today? God has brought you here for a reason. God knows you right where you're sitting and he loves you. He doesn't want to walk through this life apart from you, and he, he doesn't want you to walk into eternity separated from him. He wants to walk with you on this life and walk with you into eternity. He wants to forgive you of your sin. He wants to heal those broken places in your life and draw you back into his presence. He wants to fill you with his spirit and give you the power to live the life that he created you to live and to, to have the vision and the purpose that he wants to instill in you in your life. And it starts when you say yes to him. He's already done all the work. He's taken down every barrier. And now he's inviting you to respond to him by saying yes and to committing yourself over to him. And if you've never done that, I'm going to give you a chance to do that as we close our time together this morning. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for our community. And then part way through that prayer, I'm just going to ask you, if you're ready to commit your life to Jesus, to whisper a simple prayer of commitment back to him where you would say yes and you would start that journey with God.
So if you sense God calling you in that moment, you can, you can commit yourself to him and you can start that journey. Would you join me as we pray together? Lord, thank you so much that I get to be part of this community of men and women and, uh, and students and children who, who love you, who deeply, truly love you and, and who love, love Sonoma County, love the people who we rub shoulders with enough to invite them to come on this journey. Thank you that you've allowed us to come into your presence, that you have done the work and you've made a way for us to be restored to you, to walk with you in this life and to experience your presence guiding us and leading us. And thank you that you've done the work to, to bridge the gap so that we could, we could be with you in heaven in eternity someday. Thank you for that, God. And would you help us to never lose sight of that incredible gift? And I ask that you would use us, Jesus. Would you use us? in our imperfections, in our, in our insecurities, in our as we're going through life every day, would you, would you use us, God, to change the spiritual climate of our community? One person at a time. Because we know how much you love our neighbors and our coworkers and our kids and our parents and our spouse. And, and God, we love them too. We want them to know you. And as we're here, as we continue to pray, if you've never committed your life over to Jesus, said yes to him and accepted the gift of salvation, you can repeat the simple prayer. It's nothing magic. It's just a prayer of commitment where you would say yes to God. So you can whisper these words right where you're sitting. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you loved me enough to leave heaven and come to earth, to live a perfect life, and then to give your life on a cross to pay the penalty for my sin. Today I say yes, Lord. Yes, I want to respond to your offer of salvation. And yes, I want you. So would you come, God? Would you forgive me of my sin? Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? And would you show me what it looks like to walk with you every single day of my life from this day forward into eternity? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.